As teachers, we're always looking for great project ideas, ones that combine creativity with actual curriculum and content for our students. On today's episode, we'll hear from an educator who started making projects for his own students and now has tons of projects that we can all use. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. Each episode features educators sharing their practical ideas to put more science, technology, engineering, and math into every classroom every day. For show notes and more information, visit dailystem.com. Here's your host, Chris Woods. Well, I'm so excited, educators, on today's episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast, we get to hear from Josh Zimmerman. He is the founder of Brown Dog Gadgets. And if you haven't seen any of Brown Dog Gadgets yet, uh, check out browndoggadgets.com or at browndoggadgets on Twitter. That's where I love finding out about all these really cool projects that, that are super for so many STEM classrooms. I can't wait for us to be able to hear about some of these projects and ideas and some of the things that they have and really making STEM accessible for so many kids. Welcome to the show today. Josh. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. And, and again, check out browndoggadgets.com and at browndoggadgets on Twitter if you're not following it already. But but Josh, uh, you're, you're an educator. And uh, a while back, you realized there's there's all these projects, all these ideas I want to do with my students. But but the parts, the the instructions, this this is so difficult for a teacher to do. Sure. Oh, about like nine, 10 years ago, I was, I was a middle school science teacher. And this was like the middle of the maker movement when it was really taking off. And I saw so many great projects on Structables, YouTube, Make.com. They were really cool, like things that I want to do personally, but then in my classroom as well. Yeah. However, I was really, really frustrated because they were directions meant for an individual, somebody who was crafty already, who had a bit of background knowledge in the subject area, who was good at finding the parts from eBay or random Chinese websites at the time for things. Right. It was just really tough as a classroom teacher to turn that into a classroom activity. Even something as simple as a bristle bot was yeah. rough because what toothbrush do you use? What motor do you use? What different, like there are so many different variations of that combination that work together in one way or the other. Yeah. And I just, I failed in my classroom several times with <laughs> bristle bots yep. and talking with other teachers who did that as well. Just they were having hard times doing it, which turned them off and their students off. There we go. And so I ended up taking a couple of projects. I saw like, oh, these are fun, but I can make like a maybe a more simple version or a more classroom friendly version. Yeah. Just get to the core of like what makes it interesting. And especially something that was affordable because I had no money as a classroom teacher, uh, especially to spend on my classroom. Yeah. And I you know what? Teachers, I... teachers are not stingy. They're not cheap. They're just resourceful, Josh, right? They're frugal. They're frugal. They're frugal. Their fr frugality turns into resourcefulness. I always say the Dollar Tree is a teacher's best friend yeah. for random things. So they'll take five bucks worth of stuff from the Dollar Tree and turn it into like a week's worth of lessons because that's go. what I did. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, we turned some of those I, I in my basement, turned some of these activities into projects and started selling them on the side after I realized these worked well in my classroom. Yeah. And that kind of snowballed on me over a couple of years while I was teaching and until I was essentially working two full-time jobs uh, and getting like five hours of sleep a night. No, and okay. going insane. That was, it was nice to do. And it was nice seeing other people doing that too at the time yeah. in the maker movement, making things more specifically designed for educators mm -hmm. and for home use. You know, like scouts and parents at home, 4-H leaders, they need some help because most of the adults doing this stuff don't have that background knowledge of their own. Right. So for them, it's, they have to learn a new skill than to teach to kids, which is often a turnoff for them because they don't have the time, like teachers don't have the time to learn a new skill set Right. For a one-off activity. And, and we and as educators know, it's, you know, sometimes we might be able to get those kids to do the project. We might be able to get them to accomplish building this bristle bot or, or, or making this something that it's following the directions. But if we can't explain, you know, why it works, or if we can't explain some of the curriculum behind that, 
you know, it, it's just a project. It's a craft. Exactly. I always am impressed by companies who can make something that's simple. That's just easy to get right away. I like squishycircuits.com, like uh-huh. conductive dough, because yeah. it's, it's Play-Doh that lights up. It's, it's yeah. very simple. There aren't a whole lot of components. It's and the dough they make, they can make your own dough, but they make a really nice dough that is just spot on. Right. And like kids get it because kids are familiar with dough. That's why yeah. we do a lot of paper craft stuff with conductive tape because kids are able to use scissors and paper and crafting. Most kids by fourth or fifth grade have done so much crafting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like their part-time job. That's just here. Let's add a little bit of something extra, something you already know, which really helps them get into it, breaks down that barrier to entry and just helps get past that little bit of hesitation from the kids. Right. Because, you know, kids, if they, they're worried about not doing something right the first time, a lot of them won't do it. Adults are the same way. Right. They got coax them to there. Like, look, it's not very done this already. It's just tape on paper. It's just Play-Doh. It's just paint. They're more likely to give it a whirl. Yeah. And again, Josh, um, again, we're chatting with Josh Zimmerman uh, from Brown Dog Gadgets. Check it out, browndoggadgets.com. And, and a lot of these projects, a lot of these ideas, you've got them posted on your website, again, with instructions, with uh, written instructions, pictures, and, and videos for, for most of these as well. A lot of educators are, are looking for those kinds of ideas, looking for types of different things uh, they can do. So tell us a little bit about on your website. Tell us kind of what it looks like uh, if an educator goes there and, and starts looking for some of these project ideas. Sure. So we, we have, of course, we have kits we always sell that go with stuff. But I always like to make sure from a teaching perspective that any project we post is posted for free on our website. Nothing's mm-hmm. more frustrating than seeing the first page of a workbook or a project on a STEM education website or a company website. And then the rest are behind a paywall because the first yeah. page could be amazing. The rest could just be blank for all I know. <laughs> I'm paying for it. So I like I just put everything out there one way yeah. or the other. And so on our website, we have our, our, one of our big tabs at the top is uh, projects and guides and our curriculum. You click on that, it goes to our resource area where we just have hundreds and hundreds of projects broken down to like paper crafts, uh, wearables, solar, our vibrobots, doing a micro bit, doing Arduino projects. But you just click through and see different areas for projects. And a lot of our projects have full like step-by-step videos for how to make the activity yeah. as well as a downloadable PDF. But you're looking for a fun Valentine's Day card. Uh, we've got a bunch of those up there right now. And actually, we're currently a couple of my employees are putting together ebooks based on different themed paper craft things. Okay. It's been a request from teachers like, hey, just give me one PDF to download for all the paper crafts that go mm-hmm. with Valentine's Day or Halloween or Easter or yeah. a win- generic winter holiday stuff. Yeah. So we're putting those together just to make things easier for people to download. Wait, so like people to making be things be easier for stuff. teachers, right? That's that's what it's all I, about, right? I know. And teachers, I think half the hard part about doing this stuff is just finding the right resources for your students. Yeah. So we try to like just overload our, our resource area with a wide variety of difficulty and types of projects. So you'll find simple paper crafts up to advanced paper crafts with microbit or even transistors. You'll find very simple microbit projects up to very complicated ones. Just so we have mm-hmm. a wide range, both for using our projects or if you have your own materials. I tell people, if you have your own materials already, use our projects and come back later, hopefully, and uh, maybe try one of our kits out. But whether you buy from us, they're always there yeah. for people to use and try out and download and at least evaluate to see if it's worth your time and effort. Right. And um, like half my half my staff here with me, I've got four people working for me full time. Mm-hmm. And two of the, the other two front office people with me here, they do nothing but project creation and curriculum writing. That's awesome. Just so that we have resources galore. Yeah. Um, because it's, that's what makes our stuff interesting. And that's really what teachers need, just not more stuff. They need to be able to how to use that stuff, which is, yeah. again, what I found things frustrating 10 years ago. Yeah. And I know you mentioned a lot, Josh, about just paper and circuits and things like that. And 
and instantly when we start thinking about circuits, we think about uh, kids and electrocuting themselves or something like that. And, and, and I like you said conductive tape. So uh, if an educator doesn't know about that, I mean, just just explain uh, real simply why it's easy to make things with circuits and and, and what that can do to, to help a kid learn and, and boost some of that creativity. Sure. Well, when it comes to simple like circuitry, you have a few options. I mean, wires are the obvious choice because they're mm -hmm. conductive metal, but that's kind of rough to do for crafting. Uh, right. Conductive thread works pretty well if you're doing circuit, like sewing, but you have to have a sewing background knowledge. Right. Conductive paint is a dice roll, whether or not it will work, because there's some really awesome paint for some situations, but everything else doesn't work so well. It's, it's you have the right paint for the right job, but just, yeah. And then you have conductive tape, which is my go-to jam because it's very versatile. Now, right. in the past, people use copper foil, which was what I used back in my classroom 10 years ago. We even sold it for a few years. Uh, we use a nylon conductive tape. Literally, it's a, a nylon strip that's sticky because it solves all the issues people had with copper foil in that it's much, much stronger. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really, really sturdy. Copper foil is like aluminum foil. It's super, super weak. It's a great conductor, but it's just... Mm -hmm. It has no strength to it, which makes it tough for a lot of projects. Anything has to go around a curve or turn or small hands playing with things. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can't... And then it's, it sticks it's... to itself like uh, like any roll of duct tape you've ever tried to take a you know peel piece yep. off. And if you put if you put it onto something too, it's impossible to get off because I know because there's some uh, probably some copper foil still stuck to the window of my old classroom because I couldn't get it off <laughs> with a razor blade because wow. it's just it's you you can't. Yeah. Um, so we switched to nylon, which is like 99% as conductive. And for the stuff we're doing, it makes no difference. I wouldn't use it for a NASA project, but for everything else, it works just fine. But it's much stronger, even so much that I can use it on um, like a shirt or fabric because it's just, it's super strong. As an adult, I cannot rip through the quarter inch by hand. I have to cut it with a pair of scissors, wow. which is great. Again, great for paper crafts, putting LEDs, making switches. We have a bunch of like cardboard um, buttons and switches that well, for templates. So you can cut out and make your own knife switch out mm -hmm. of some, an old Amazon box, some conductive tape and a brass brad, a little yeah. brass fastener. Mm -hmm. You make a great little knife switch because those cost like $8. Have the kids make their own, make a gigantic one even. Uh, we have a huge one in our office somewhere, which is hilarious because we used to turn on like one L little LED with this huge <laughs> knife switch. Because just, it's kind of, it's very silly. Yeah. Um, and I like showing that off at teaching him. It's like, look, throw the switch and little tiny LED turns on. Ah. Um, <laughs> kids kids love so being silly. So that's awesome. It, it's a little absurd. And I, I like absurdity a bit, uh, but it's really great for all sorts of projects. And it's darned inexpensive too. It's the yeah. cheapest way you can do a make and take activity for a kid that's circuitry based. Everything else just exponentially grows. Conductive sewing, which we even sell conductive sewing stuff. It's the most expensive thing per kid because they have to specialize parts to sew on. Right. We do a lot of the same, um, our same sewing projects with conductive tape and regular LEDs on felt. It's the same outcome, the same decorating, the same wearable activity, but it's about a third the time at most, probably a fourth the cost, like that one to two dollar range versus like that five to six dollar range. Right. Yeah. Um, and then it's cost prohibitive to do in a, in a classroom with 30 and, kids. So. Yeah. And you got 30 kids, you have to do something inexpensive and you have to also make sure if somebody messes up, you have extra materials. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, conductive tape is great. We even do uh, conductive tape with Arduino and microbit galore, which is just mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, our curriculum writer, Andy, put together some fun lessons of make your own speaker, which oh. is a fun one. Yeah. Um, we have some good little templates because copper foil, people try doing that. It was just a pain in the butt because your line of tape would break <laughs> before you got around like a complicated pattern. Yeah. Uh, the nylon tape works great. Um, and it sounds horrible, but you can make your own speaker with that, a cheapo old stereo yeah. and um, a magnet 
And we even did a, uh, we tried doing a power um, transfer, like two big coils, one in the other, but that was just so much work and so much tape. We're like, no, one, no one's going to do that. Even we're just right. like, this is, even for us, this is just uh, yeah. too much, but, but you could if you wanted to. Yeah. But, but again, uh, Josh, a lot of these ideas are just things that, that are starting, you know I mean? Like here's a starting spot, you know, and you, you try something like this and then, then the kids are hooked and the kids are like, Hey, I really like doing that. Mr. So-and-so or Miss so-and-so. And then they want to do something else. And so you, you hop back onto browndoggadget.com and you start looking for more projects and you start coming up with ideas. And, and it's not all just, you know, here's a bunch of circuits. And, and the only thing you can te teach is about electricity. I, I really like what you mentioned. And, and I think a lot of your projects are, are based on this, that idea that, that the kid finishes it and they can take it home. You know, it's make it and take it. It's not just something. Oh yeah. Oh, we try to make sure most of our activities too are not just um, copy paste kind of activities. Cause it's really easy with paper circuits. Like drop your tape on the diagram, drop your led here, look at lights up, go home. Yeah. So even like stuff, like a lot of our stuff are paper craft based, like cut out a dinosaur, multi-layer paper craft stuff where you, we can have like five kids each making the same project circuitry wise, but you mm -hmm. can make a Triosaurus Rex. I can make a squid. Somebody else can make a, a flower. It's the same project, same material, mm -hmm. but it can be more personalized through some arts and crafts to it as well. And that there's personalization to it because the more personalized we can make any activity, the more the kid will be have personal interest in it, at least when I found if they can make it their own and they're more likely to be excited about the thing they made when they're finished, if it's their design, their thing. Heck, if you want to make a bunch of like really gigantic light up spiders, more power to you. Mm -hmm. If that's what gets it going for your head, like I love spiders, they light up. They're more interested in doing that than just making a simple Valentine's Day card with an LED on it that says happy Valentine's Day. Right, so you're trying yeah. to make a wide range of like just fun activities like that. Mm -hmm. But also again, since it's the same batch of materials, say from us or from somewhere else, you can have five different kids making five different projects and it's essentially the exact same resources. Yep. Resources, the same rubric can be used, the same learning objectives, the same worksheet, like the same assessment because it's all the same kind of basic circuitry stuff yep. Yep. Um, up and down the line, but just that little bit of extra personalization to it. And then yep. my big hope too, especially with uh, you get that middle school into high school crowd, once they get the swing of it, let them make their own thing. Let them design yeah. their own stuff. Let them try weird stuff with it because it's, if it works, great. I mean, it makes sense to me, but if it works, that's all that matters. Like, and like, if you a, had like a giant, giant knife switch that, that I, turns on something in the classroom, right? So that uh, it is one of the most silly things we've done is just because of just how absurd it is. And we keep like, we can make a bigger one. We've got bigger boxes <laughs> that come in here. We can make a larger one if we tried. Yeah, I'm sure uh, you could. That's a challenge, <laughs> right? Uh, and, I, and I know also, Josh, a lot of the things that you post, especially on <laughs> On Twitter, on, on Brown Dog Gadgets, there's a lot of videos, uh, a lot of uh, stop motions. You can see uh, this process, this project uh, being created. You know, there's a lot of robotics things, uh, but a lot of things also are, are compatible with Lego. And I know so many educators love uh, Legos because their kids love Legos. So uh, maybe talk to that a little bit and, and, and get educators to think a little bit outside the box with that. So we, we love Lego. Again, like everyone loves Lego. I think it's like everyone's kind of favorite childhood toy because it, one, they're great kits. Their price is pretty inexpensive for stuff. And you can always, you know, you make your, your X-Wing or whatnot and you don't like it after a month. You make your own thing out of it. That's yeah. the great part. There's a never ending. Kind of like a, my dad had a Rector set growing up. Lego is kind of like the thing, yep. honestly, from the 70s onward for kids. But when we were doing all of our stuff, when we had a few years back and trying to think, okay, we've got all of our, our consumable stuff. We really want to make a modular system because uh, we're kind of annoyed with other modular systems that were out there, both as educators and individuals, because, yep. but the prices were, were really high. Mm -hmm. And as an educator, I could never afford those for the, my classroom, let alone myself. Yeah. And that is, it was a big turnoff for me because like, these are great things. And 
I was just really annoyed by that price point. Right. Um, they're good products, but it just it was rough to do, especially if you wanted to have more than one kit in a, in a room. Exactly. Um, yeah, hundred dollars a kit. You've got yeah. It's just it's rough. It was really yeah. tough to do, especially at my school, which had no budget. Right. So we're kicking around like, what can we do for like a modular system of our own? What can we we kick around the data like let's try to using lego because lego is mm-hmm. a nice grid everyone's familiar with it mm-hmm. it's everyone's no one has negative thoughts about lego that's the nice part everyone has a yep. warm fuzzy feeling about it yeah so we took essentially uh regular electronic parts leds switches buttons that were inexpensive on the open market just the standard mm-hmm. buttons and switches you'd find mm-hmm. and we put them onto little circuit boards that pop onto lego and then okay. we used our nylon conductive tape, which is when we found nylon tape was to solve our problem because copper foil didn't work on Lego. It never came off. Right. Um, and so we used that to actually literally make a circuit board on Lego using these Lego compatible circuit yeah. boards and That's nylon cool. tape as the tracings, which sounds really weird. But when you look at it, you literally have made a circuit board with standard off the shelf components in a way that's identical to the way a circuit board we made from a factory. Yeah. The same tracings, the same layout the same grid pattern you would use. We can do double-sided. We can make three-dimensional circuits because it's Lego built on top oh, yeah. of each other. Yep. Yeah, exactly. We can go over and under. And the best part of it was because of how simple we were making our system mm-hmm. was that it also ended up being fairly inexpensive per part for us to manufacture on the right. small scale because we're a small company, even smaller right. then. Yeah. Um, and and most educators can... have access to a bunch of Legos already. So, so yours yep. just basically works together with those existing Legos that educators have. Bam. And the thing that got me going, because I'm I'm that cruel teacher that makes kids learn. Um, <laughs> I, I want you to learn. You must learn. Not just play um, with Legos, right? I know. Well, they had to hook up parts in the way they'd be hooked up in any other circuit. You had to hook things positive to negative. You had to have things the correct way. Otherwise it wouldn't function. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, little bits, uh, magnets don't snap together means you have it backwards. Like it's set up so you you cannot fail. Snap circuits is great, same kind of situation. My middle schoolers thought snap circuits were too quote unquote kitty, even though there are just standard parts on the snap circuit boards. Mm-hmm. They thought it was again. It's just a it's a it's a weird middle schooler mindset. Yep. And these look, look quote unquote looked a little more like real parts. It's yep. that weird middle ground. Like it looks real, but it's still kid appropriate. Right. And, and it so, teaches those foundational concepts, those uh, those ideas that, that we want kids to learn. Exactly. But also, it also did a couple other things for us too. It made the teachers and their administrators happy because I we joke around here that we sell to three people with every sale. Kids are the end user. Teachers are the ones who are the ones like making a decision to purchase it, but the one actually putting the money out is the administration. Mm -hmm. If make all three happy, and each one has a different set of requirements, there's sometimes a direct opposition to the others. Doing the circuit board approach, like, look, it's realistic. It has real world examples. It has real world connections. And it's also Lego and fun. Didn't make it work for a lot of people. And we've expanded to our Arduino-based boards and our microbit-based boards last year or so. So you can do, again, microbit on Lego. You're doing bigger projects than you would just with a regular off-the-shelf micro bit, yeah. but still in that fun make code environment, adding in sensors and servos, which are really easy to do with all that. And yeah. we've done everything from like a little tiny cardboard robotic hand to a automatic plant watering system. Right. Um, oh, my favorite is we made a bubble blower. It yeah. literally dumps yeah. a little little wand into a, a cup of bubble material, comes up and a fan blows bubbles out. I remember it's that. Really, it's really silly, but you know what? It works quite well. And it's really easy for a kid to make because mm-hmm. it's just, it's, the hard part is just plugging Legos into each other and dropping yeah. tape on Lego. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, it's it's that whole idea of 
it looks simple for the kids. They're learning something, but also they're accomplishing something too. Because we yeah. want to make sure that kids are walking away having accomplished something. Because yeah. if a kid walks away like, ah, I spent two days trying to get this work, it doesn't, they'll feel frustrated, they'll turn off from it. Same thing adults do. Yeah. Uh, everyone has a max level of frustration they put up with before they walk away and just <laughs> yeah. yell at a wall. I've been there as, as, a, as a maker person, like with projects mm-hmm. like, nope, I'm done. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm done with this project. Yeah. But our goal is to get kids interested. So we want to make sure That's that good. there's a high level of success yep. or the ability for the kids to self-correct or get help from an educator who may or may not have a big background go. in the knowledge. Yeah. So it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, weird, like jumble of things. We always try to keep in our mind when building stuff. But anyway, Lego worked out well yeah. um, for these things. We keep posting tons of fun projects, both basic circuitry up through Arduino and Microbit yeah. with these. And our, we also made our parts entirely open source as well. So somebody else wanted to say, make their own or do some reconfigurations, which every now and then we have like a, a tech ed teacher or a college student who remixes a part of ours or makes some other component into our system. We're like, great. We literally provide like guides and resources on our GitHub repo on how to make your own components with our system. That's awesome. Um, if, yeah. And somebody took the uh, Adafruit circuit playground and made an adapter to work with our Lego system. Cause that's what they use in their classroom. We're like, that's awesome. That's great. Share the files yeah. with us. We'll post it up there too. That's a yeah. great project. Being like, Hey, a couple pointers for you design wise, but it's just, it's nice being able to share those resources and make our stuff open source. So we're not just uh keeping everything to ourselves. That's, so to that's awesome, Josh. And, and educators, all these ideas. I mean, you, you might be thinking, wow, some of those are above me, or you might be thinking, wow, some of those are right on for, for my kids, my classroom. And, and, and that's what it's all about. Um, every classroom is different. Every kid is different. We want to be able to, to find some ways to encourage and excite those kids and inspire those kids to, to take those next steps that can lead to those amazing careers that are that are out there. Uh, again, check out browndoggadgets.com. You can search through all those projects. And, and again, a lot of them are based on the materials you've already got in your classroom. Or uh, of course, like Je- Josh said, there's a lot of those products available on their site to get. I, I love asking, uh, and I know you've talked a lot about STEM education, Josh. So your hope for STEM education in the future, especially at that maker piece. And, and, and you even talked about coding in a lot of those things as well. My hope for STEM education is kind of the same track it's going in now. I know the whole maker movement happened really from like 2010 to 2020, kind of peaked and then kind of fell back down. But we saw a ton of schools turning their old tech labs or woodworking shops into more of a maker lab, more mm-hmm. high tech stuff. Yep. A lot of libraries implementing those things, both public and in school libraries. Mm-hmm. My hope is that those things keep continuing out there and keeping added on to. Yeah. My biggest fear is that a lot of those maker spaces, as in school maker spaces, library maker spaces, mm-hmm. a lot of what we heard is that they're spearheaded by like one very enthusiastic educator or individual, right. or even like a local person community who has offered to come in and help. And that that key person, if they go away or no longer at that school, that those labs and resources get shut down. No one's there to help fix the 3D printer. No one's there to run the class or use the laser cutter in there or or get things going or how to use the makey makeys and Arduinos. But my hope is that those things keep continuing and that they train more staff and more educators and especially more educators become more familiar and comfortable with materials. Because I'll tell you, 3D printers, as easy as they become, there is a learning curve on those those stupid little suckers. Even between myself here in the office, myself and uh, Pete, who uh, does a lot of the, the microbit projects we have on here, just most actually most of our programming stuff. Right. And yeah. him and I just like, we got like 20, 25 years of 3D printing experience between us. 
and sometimes the ones in our office just are like, well, not today. You're just, you're, you're broken down. We're, yeah. we're too frustrated with you. And we keep those things in good working order, yeah. but it's just making sure, yeah, people are trained and are able to use that and are using them well. Cause I, I just hate to see those places collect dust yep. and yeah, it's exactly. fun when the kids can come in and use it. The one we have here, we have a, a really nice couple maker spaces in uh, the Milwaukee suburb we're in and I've been to them and they're, they're fantastic. I wish those things would be around when I, you know, what I yeah. was in oh, high exactly. school yeah. uh, back in the nineties, but it was the old like woodworking tech mm-hmm. shop that's just been turned into a high tech tech shop with yeah. a big, nice CNC machine, a big laser cutter, big printers, 3d printers, just really great stuff and material. And cause I'd love to see more of that just implemented yeah. across the board yeah. to get kids interested or at least teach them the basics of that stuff or give there them the go. ability to use the materials yeah. and well, access to equipment is always uh Always the rough one. Yeah. Um, Like a lot of what you said there, uh, Josh, is is really all about just that that sustainability and that building a culture of of that learning, of that mindset, of that making, of that creativity that we want. And, and, and not that just one STEM teacher in the school, that one makerspace person. So uh, teachers, be thinking of uh, who you can uh, be, be drawn in and, and, and replicating yourself and, and, and spreading that message outside of the classroom that you have. Uh, Josh, I, I always like to ask uh, if you could uh, have dinner with somebody from STEM, past or present, uh, who would that be? Uh, I would pick one of several astronauts uh, because okay. I, I've always loved Space has been a big thing. I, as growing up, loved the NASA, loved the space program. I always yep. love to sit down and just talk with astronauts about all the weird stuff. I guess oh, these yeah. days, astronauts have put enough stuff on social media. Chris Hatfield from Canada did a lot of great stuff with the Canadian Space Agency. Uh, it was fun, but I just love to sit down and like, pick their brain about the weird stuff and challenges that they faced up there. Because I do know uh, from stuff I've seen, like even the smallest of tasks becomes 10 times more difficult when you have no gravity uh, around to help you out. And I would just love to to chat with somebody like that, especially too, because most of them came from like strong engineering backgrounds, which is just the interesting change of uh, the, the space program, NASA going from using a lot of pilots from the military to using a lot of civilian engineers yeah. was an interesting change, but it's just kind of fun meeting those people who have dedicated so much of their life to spending, you know, anywhere from a day to a, to a, you know, six yeah. months to a year in space. That's, that's just crazy. That's crazy to me. Yeah. And it would be fun to just uh, just hear some of their stories. Like you said, the weird stories, the things that don't always get told. So, uh, Josh, so many great ideas. Uh, again, educators, definitely check out browndoggadgets.com and, and follow at browndoggadgets on Twitter if you're not already. Any other last thoughts, any other uh, things you just want to uh, just make sure you uh, double share with all these educators out there? Sure. On our Twitter account, we do do giveaways quite frequently of our really awesome nylon conductive tape and of other materials. Um, we try to do those once or twice a month and work with other people on that because we have to get our stuff out there. And if a teacher ever has a question, call us. We have a phone line that people actually call. I'm like, I joke, unlike other companies, we you can call us. Um, but we love to chew the fat with teachers and just talk about projects. So yeah, a lot of our a lot of our really fun, weird project ideas come from educators saying, Hey, I'm trying to do XYZ. Can you help out? And we're like, you know what? That does sound like a cool project. We'll make that up. That and awesome so we, we love chatting with teachers and uh, just yeah, getting ideas and seeing what works for them. And yeah, if it's a, an idea that we like and can do, we'll post it up and make an activity for it. And and, and again, educators, <laughs> uh, I, I, they're also on other social medias as well. I know I say Twitter because I love I love Twitter and <laughs> and I know they're also on Instagram and they get do the giveaways and and yeah, phone numbers right at the bottom of their website. So go to browndoggadgets.com and and yeah, Josh is so helpful, uh, such a great guy to talk about STEM and, and STEAM and making ideas with. So I uh, really appreciate today, Josh. Uh, all the best as you uh, keep on providing those great resources to help more educators out there. And 
and uh, just really appreciate all the, all the great things that you're doing for educators. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. And again, appreciate every listener of the STEM Everyday podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe. And uh, so you can always hear all the great ideas that we're sharing, uh, helping you have an easier time to uh, add more STEM to your classroom each and every day for every kid. Uh, Check out dailystem.com to connect with me. And uh, until next time, remember, it's all about kids and uh, try to help them uh, get excited about STEM learning each and every day. 